Welcome back. Hello, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And guys, we are fired up today. We have an amazing guest that we'll get to shortly. But Bill? Yes. We got a little call to action today. We do. Absolutely. We need, for all the listeners out there, all the fans, we're making that one final last push to the uh, iTunes new and noteworthy page. We're trying to get back on that featured page. We're on it for a little while, then we're off and we're on it and, and we're off. But we need more reviews. That's how... That's basically, I think, how it works. You know, we have been making some progress on this first season, and each week we're getting new listeners. So we're making that final push. Go to guystellingstories.com backslash review. And if you haven't already written us a review, please head on over there. And we're just happy to get the feedback and read those reviews. So please head on over to guystellingstories.com backslash reviews. And if you already have, it's very appreciated. It really helps out the show. Yeah, we have, what, about 70 Maybe. Yeah, you know, so, we're looking to hopefully get to you know pushing 100, and uh, you know the feedback's been great so far. It makes us laugh. We'll, uh, we'll we should uh, we should have a party when we get to 100. Maybe we can get everyone to do that this week, and then throw a little, uh, you know, like we did in the beginning. Yeah, you know what? We have some. We actually that's a really good idea, Bill. We have a <laughs> VIP party in the works coming up for one of our future guests and supporters of the show. And you know what? Anybody that writes a review, you are definitely on the guest list. So Perfect. I like that. Yeah, so let's definitely take care of that. You guys, as always, too, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram at Guys Telling Stories. And we are on Twitter at Guys Tell Stories. If you forget any of that, you can check out our website, guystellingstories.com. All right, our guest for today. Oh, yeah, this is good. Is an entertainer. He is a behind-the-scenes guy. You can see him on national TV. National Hockey League games any night of the week. Our guest is Doug Allen, Buffalo Sabres anthem singer. For the past 20-plus years, he's sung the American and Canadian anthems at the Sabres games. Yeah, he's you know kind of an icon down there. You know, I think he's even sang at the Stanley Cup Finals. You know, and he's that type of guy. He's like uh, like a living legend, like an icon around here. Yeah, definitely. He's somebody that I'm uh, really pumped up and excited to talk to because what's it like to be a national anthem singer to mm-hmm. a few nights out of the week, get mm. get dressed up in a tuxedo and and go sing in front of tens of thousands of people. Yeah, that's cool. I'm excited for this. Yeah, so we asked him to meet us at an undisclosed location in downtown Buffalo. Uh, you know, if you follow us on social media, you could definitely figure out where we are. I'll probably blow it later. <laughs> No, we just didn't want too many people crowding around asking him for, for, for autographs and to take pictures. Him or me? Uh, for Doug. <laughs> Doug. So let's go talk to Doug Allen and hear his story about how he became anthem singer. That sounds good. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. We are live, and we are extremely excited for our guest today, Doug, yes, we are. Doug Allen. Doug, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, we are really thrilled that you agreed to do the interview, and uh, we are recording live, 
So, Doug, we usually like to bring our listeners back to the beginning, before you were singing for the Sabres, before you were wearing a tuxedo, every time somebody sees you, you know. Uh, take us back as far as you can. Uh, how'd you get your start? Well, um, I grew up in a musical family, a bunch of farmers, and... Uh, my mom and dad actually dated and traveled around together and sang at churches. And, and uh, I was the youngest of six. We all sang every Sunday morning at church. And we'd gather around the piano on Saturday mornings and learn a new song for church on Sunday. And nice. So I just I grew up in that environment, and I was singing in front of people since I was two. So, so yep. your your mom and dad they would travel around singing. Did they ever take the kids with them? Or uh, well, um, well, once the kids were old enough to start singing, then we were going along too. Uh, just that was the way my mother was wired. It was it became the kids thing after before too long. So yeah, we we were doing music ever since I can remember. And obviously we most people that are listening know what you do now. You um, sing the Canadian and American National Anthem at the Buffalo Sabres hockey games. Yes. And you've been doing that for quite a while, ever since uh, I can remember. Tell us a little bit how you got into doing that. It's a far cry from church singing. It's yeah. completely it, different. It sure is. I've been singing forever, and it's something that's pretty natural to me so it was a confidence thing I, uh, I met a girl that had done it and it was one of those light bulb moments in my life where I just said I want to do that oh, so wow. so I asked I asked her who do I need to call who do I who do I bug basically mm-hmm. she gave me the name of the person at the Sabres organization I called him a few times and finally talked to him in person he said send in a tape back in the days of cassette tapes. So I, I, uh, I made an arrangement. I wrote an arrangement of the national anthem in barbershop quartet style kind of a thing because I used to sing in a quartet and um, recorded all four parts and sent it in. And they called me less than a week later and had said, you want to sing in a game? That's pretty creative. You, so, so you did all four parts. I did all four parts, yeah. And back then to do that on a cassette is... Uh... Well, I had a four-track recorder that okay. used cassettes. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, I actually did that for a while. I would just recording stuff because I sing with myself. And, and it was cool. It was nothing that I'd want to put out in the public. But, yeah, well, right. um, Darn, that's you know. my next question. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people probably associate you with singing, but I was trying to bring it back to, uh, back to the beginning for a little bit. What's your earliest sports memory? Well, um, my earliest hockey memories okay. are... Um, working in the barn. I was actually working on the neighbor's farm, and he would have the radio on every night when we were doing chores, and we listened to GR55 and listened to the hockey games. And so I actually knew the Canadian anthem from listening to those hockey games Yep. back starting in seventh grade to my senior year in high school. And uh, so I used to listen to, you know, the games with Danny Gare and Rene Robert and all those people back then, and did they always, uh, I could probably look this up, but did they always sing the Canadian anthem? Like I from, have been told that, yes, it's day always been day one cool. Canadian and American anthems. Detroit um, has done it in mm-hmm. the past, and I think they don't, do they do it again? I think they do it again, but I think there was a point where only when they played a Canadian opponent yeah. would they do both. So it's kind of nice that Buffalo has honored the border. Yeah, in such a way, and they really need to since you do. Yeah, they do. There's six, seven, eight thousand Canadians in the stands every game. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, for 
For those of you that aren't familiar with the Western New York area, we're recording live right now in Buffalo, New York, and it is so close to Canada that it, you could probably drive to Canada faster than you could drive to the supermarket right now. Yeah. You know, downtown yeah, we're, Buffalo we're that close. Yes. Is, is a stone's throw away. Yep. So, you know, just for fun, Bill, what was your earliest sports memory? You got a, a silly one? A fun you know, one? It, it's funny because when uh, Tariq Pagula took over the team, he mentioned falling asleep and, and with the pillow and the, the radio under his pillow listening to the games. And I totally remember that. And it wasn't necessarily under my pillow because I, I didn't bother anybody. But just falling asleep and listening to uh, whoever, whoever it was on the radio then, uh, Ted Darling or Rick Jenneret, and then waking up the next morning because it's still on to the highlights because they would always and then you'd wake up and you're like oh it's still on and then you're a kid and you're like oh <laughs> I didn't make the whole game yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going to bed at 9 o'clock a little too early um, yep. I remember going to the All-Star game which was in uh, 1978 um, I remember there was a circus they used to have they used to call it the Sabres Carnival and I don't remember animals but I remember all kinds of games where you throw little hoops on coke bottles and and stuff like that um but i was going to games since i was three so uh, i was young i was a kid walking around and with the odd you can crawl underneath the golds and there's always pucks under there if you can get close enough to the boards they'd all slip under there so i've been going to games for a long time did you ever ever catch a puck my dad caught a puck my mom got hit in the back with a soccer ball at the all-star game okay misl all-star game Everyone putted up a ball after the anthems. My mom was fixing her coat and got drilled in the oh, back. No. Sorry, mom. <laughs> poor, poor mom. Yeah. You know my my earliest sports memory, Bill, isn't uh, isn't hockey. I, my dad really wanted me to play baseball, and I, I didn't have a love for it. But I played t-ball, and I then we moved on to baseball. And I remember my mom took me out of school to go to a Buffalo Bisons game with my dad and my uncle. And I was probably in first grade, so I really didn't know how this sort of thing worked, but I wanted to catch a foul ball so bad. And, of course, we didn't. Not, no, right. not even close. Right. Not even close. And so I go home, and I decide to ask my mother if I pick up a softball, basically a, a woman's softball, and ask her if she can sew the Buffalo Bisons logo on the ball because I think that all baseballs from the Buffalo Bisons game must have a logo on them, being in first grade. And she just looks at me with like kindness in her heart and says, like, oh, honey, that's not how it works. You, you can't <laughs> You sew. told people you were going to catch a foul ball I, on their day off from school, didn't you? I thought for sure I'd come back with a souvenir, and I didn't. So I, I, it was, I guess it was my first taste of reality. <laughs> you know, it's these fond memories that everyone has associated yeah. with sports that probably... Uh, have gotten you a little bit of a following. Uh, and doing the research, Doug, I realized there's a Twitter account called Doug Allen's Point. Have you seen that? Um, or heard about it? I'm not on Twitter, so I don't see that kind of stuff. But Hilt- there Rachel has Rich been a, there has been yeah. several Twitter accounts. There's There were Facebook pages. Oh, sure. Um, one quite a while ago, there was one, uh, Doug Allen for President. There you go. On oh, Facebook. Nice. That was an interesting... Account. <laughs> it's 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 flattering. It makes me wonder, you know, as you are someone who's lived a long life, you've been doing this for twenty years, you know, what do you think along the way maybe kind of helped you be so successful in terms of a challenge or a defeat or an obstacle? I don't know about that. I think the reason that I have been so successful as anthem singer is very simply because I do it 
straight. I do. I sing the song the way it was written, and I sing it so that people can sing along. Right on, yeah. Um, and that's and that's what people want to do. They want to be able to sing along. And if if an artist uses the opportunity to show off their artistry, then they're missing the point. The point is about singing this song so we can share this patriotic moment. It's not about you showing off. If you want to show off, go to a concert and you know show us your talent. That's great. But right. you know, um, doing the anthem has. I've tried very hard to make it about the anthem and not and much less about me because I'm just somebody who likes to sing. Did you did you always sing it that way 20 years in? Then? I've noticed a few subtle changes uh, in the way you breathe uh, and the pauses and then one note is different. Possibly, yes. I do change one note just just to make it my own, I, I, I guess. Like it. I like it. No, it's <laughs> to make it my own and to emphasize the 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 point of the phrase, and um, so I did do that much, and I figured that people would forgive me for that. Oh, you're forgiven. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, everybody wants to make it make the song their own, and I guess that was how I did that. I was going to sing it straight and allow people to sing along, but then I would emphasize the point at the end and. Um, with changing that one note. When did the point start? I know it started... I was doing a point at the end of the song for a while where I would point at the crowd during the land of the free and then I would point at the sabers, sabers. Yeah. during the home that. of the brave. And that was that was how it started. And then, then one day I noticed that there was a camera in front of me. And I'm like, if I point at the camera... I can point at everybody in the arena, yeah. and everybody will like that, and yeah. it'll also emphasize what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say. And that's when that started, and it just seemed to work, and it clicked, and everybody loved it because he's pointing at me, you know. Cool. And I get that from a lot of people. You're pointing at me, you know. And so I don't remember when it started, but it's been a long time now, and everybody expects it. Um, you know, I had a little boy a couple of years ago who asked his mom, his mom had asked him what he wanted on his birthday cake. And, she, and he said, I want the pointy guy. The pointy guy? The, point, the pointer guy. <laughs> you know, and, you know, um, she made this little model of me with my tuxedo oh, cool. and my goatee and the bald head. And, and that was on his birthday cake. And that was what he wanted. The guy who oh, he points. Got, he got his wish. That's so, great. So, yeah. yeah. That's, nice. That's pretty cool. You know, earlier you mentioned uh, growing up enough. Was there um, a song that you remember singing by yourself for the first time? Maybe it's one you loved or maybe it was a performance. Mm. You know, because a lot of times singers start in a group. Like you said, maybe with the family or maybe in right. a choir. Right. If there's that moment, maybe it's during a play. Maybe it is uh, serenading uh, a loved one. But was there one song you remember singing all alone and it being well received? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know if it was well received. I was too young to remember. But I had my first solo okay. that I remember um, was in a song called Washed in the Blood. It's an old gospel song. And the first line of the chorus says, Are you washed? And then the response, or the next line, is in the blood. And um, 
And that was my solo. Are you washed? And I was five. Five years old. And I remember that there was some little bit older boys farther back in the church who were had been kind of making fun of me or picking on me or something. It came my time to sing at five years old, and I was crying because I was too upset to, to sing the solo. But um, So not too obvi- well received. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I got it was over it. a yes, it. no question. No, just, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I'm teasing. Well, you know, it was funny because earlier I asked about one of those challenges or obstacles, and it started at five for you. You know, the your audience could be uh, your harshest critic sometimes or, as you maybe feel now, some of your biggest supporters. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what holds for you in the future? What are you... Uh, any goals? Any, uh, you already sing here. The well, anthem. every musician wants to make a living at being a musician, and right. I certainly would like to do that at some point in my life. I think it would be really cool to get in the Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. Oh, that's you great. know, I mean, I think why so not? Too. I'd, you know, I hope yeah. I hope to be singing the anthem at the Sabres games for another another twenty years, and you know, to have that kind of recognition would be cool. Uh, bucket list is to sing at a Buffalo Bills game. I yeah, have not, let's go. I have not done that yet. You have not sung the national anthem at a hockey game at the Ralph. I did sing the Canadian That's anthem right. at the Ralph for the first outdoor uh, winter classic. Is that on the list? The national, the American anthem at the Ralph. Um, well, I I have sung it at the Ralph several times. Okay, um, but. Uh, have not done a Bills game yet, and so I really would like to do that at some point in the near future. And uh, I wonder what that view's like because it was kind of one of my bucket list things to get on the field. I gotta tell you, it's not that easy to get on the field, <laughs> but apparently you just have to do it. Still on probation, Rich? Well, we won't talk about the restraining order, but yeah. no, it, just joking, just joking. If you do it appropriately, they will let you on. So <laughs> yes. we, we entered for a, uh, a running race that ended on the 50-yard line. And then as soon as I did that and I took a look around and snapped some photographs, I was like, this is so cool. Yes. Yeah. I also found out after the fact that they do hold like exercise classes there on Friday nights when there's good weather. <laughs> wow. For free, oh. which I could have just attended well, too. you ran. So. <laughs> yeah, I ran. Yeah, it was way you. too far just to get on there. <laughs> but, you know, what do you imagine, uh, to either of you guys, what do you imagine the views like from the 50-yard and looking up, you know, the, he sang uh, there. He sang there. Well, what's I with, guess what's, uh, he sang at the hockey game. He just right. didn't sing the uh, right. the American anthem. Well, tell us yeah, what's I that was, view like. Uh, the view was amazing. Um, that was the largest physical crowd that I've ever sung in front of. What um, would you say about seventy? It was like seventy thousand. Yeah, 76. it was seventy. It was, was seventy two, seventy three. I think yeah. back then. Surreal. Was, wow. That was the largest physical crowd that I've ever sung in front of. Um, I'm sure that uh, Game Six of the Stanley Cup playoffs oh, wow. was probably a larger overall audience, but um, the Winter Classic was was a, was special because of that. Um, I sang at a, a Drum and Bugle Corps um, event a couple of years ago out there, and that is that's really neat to stand on the 50-yard line and and look up at the crowd, and and uh, it's a difficult venue to sing in, just like singing down here at Coca-Cola Field is a difficult venue because of the acoustics and yeah. the delays and things like that. But um, it is definitely fun. You know, there's so many people who love to sing. And we actually interviewed a singer-songwriter yep. who was working 
as a real estate agent kind of on the side and he's finally doing it full time. He does solo gigs. We uh, saw him recently with a seven piece band, including himself, and oh they gosh. just rocked the house. How old is he? Uh, he's probably. Uh, I don't know. I should remember. I'm sorry, Steve. He's like. Steve's 30? probably is he? In, uh, in his late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, like he's young. Mm-hmm. He's up there with brass and trumpet and sax and two drummers and two keyboards. And I was like, wow. Well, we were talking to him, and he feels like he's just starting out. Right. Some of the things that he wants to do in the future, maybe just plan some regional gigs, not mm-hmm. travel around and be gone for a year, but just right. plan some targeted shows. You know, as a singer of a couple of decades now, is there any advice you'd give to that person that maybe one day just wants to sing in front of a few people, a couple people, maybe mm-hmm. how they could start or how they should practice? You know, any advice? Any advice? Um, I've given this advice before. Sing in the choir at school. You know, singing you a chorus, doing those types of things. Uh, I had a young girl that wanted me wanted to sing in our worship team at church and she just wasn't quite ready yet and you know she was having some trouble with with the things and and i said if you'll continue singing in chorus in school and uh, pay attention to these few different aspects of of singing and she did and she came back to me two years later and she was just did awesome um and i would sing with her any day um so, so yeah, you take advantage of the opportunities that are there, and you know, chorus in school, singing at church, obviously, if you if that's you know what you do. Um, but the more you sing, the better you're going to be, and that's the way it is with everything. The more you play baseball, the better you're going to be. When you actually start swinging at some of the pitches, guys, from experience, you know, yep. you'll eventually connect. Right. It's real life. It's really kind of nice of you to encourage somebody, and then look back on that and say, "I'd sing with her anywhere." Yeah play the piano uh, I do play keyboard a little bit I do play guitar a little bit but uh, we are at Ulrich's recording this it's right around the corner from from where you work and there's a piano I've been staring at all night here <laughs> I think we could have a little fun we can move this setup over there and that, 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 absolutely not I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of this setup. thank you but I would I am not prepared I would I, yeah this is not gonna happen but I'm sure there's there's a way we could get uh, some links posted next time. somewhere next yeah. time yeah next time <laughs> You know, over the years, uh, Doug, there's been, you know, so many changes. I was thinking, you know, you've been singing for 20 years. You know, that's on the cusp of when the Internet first started. And, yes. Um, you know, I'm just thinking, if, again, kind of speaking more so to that person that's going, oh, this is Doug Allen. He sings the, the national anthem. He's, he's at the Sabres games. Um, you know, are there any lessons you've learned that you could at least kind of share with the people listening? I guess one would be... Uh, read the critics and read them with an open mind and um, take take what they have to say seriously and you know weigh it see if it has merit ego is such a horrible thing in in my book anyways you know being too egotistical and you know the diva or whatever if you want to call it that I just I don't have any time for that but yet arrogance and pride is something that we all fight with and when I first started doing the Sabres games I thought I was all that in a bag of chips 
you know, be and I, I personally would feel that way. I'm in the middle of right. all these people. You're in front of eighteen thousand people singing a song, and they yeah. seem to be liking it. Mom, Dad, um, look at me! Like yeah, I, I did it. Right, and you really, it's it's a constant struggle. Twenty years later, I still remind myself that I don't want to go there. I don't want to be that person, and that kind of fame or popularity will go to your head, and it will change the way you act and speak and uh, just be conscious of it I guess no that's a it's a really good lesson to learn and a lot of people learn it the hard way yeah so if any if anybody out there is listening you can kind of take these words to heart it's it's better not to have to you know have your own story to tell but because you're listening to somebody else tell it yeah I'm, I'm glad you asked that that was a good question well you know lessons learned go a long way the the, the truth of the matter is when you listen to people talk about their own stories, number one, maybe you think, oh, that'll never happen to me, or right. that for some reason they're unique and they got to live that, and yeah. I never will. Yeah, right. And I said that, too. I will never let my ego get the better of me. I, I said that when I first started, oh, this is cool, but I'm not going to be one of those people. And it happened. I mean, it, it really started. I could see it happening. I see the way I responded to people. And I just, no, I'm not going there. Well, good for you. you know. Yeah, that's great that's awesome. advice. That was probably one of the better stories we've heard so far. Because a lot of times when you're in this situation, you know, there's a couple of guys sitting around a table talking, and it's easy to give that um, that answer that you've kind of canned or prepared. But that was from the heart. Yeah. yeah. I think we've, we've hit on, you know, just so much. It sounds like in a lot of ways, Doug, you're still chasing a dream, just like everybody else. But... People are going to see you tomorrow, the next couple of days, out there singing the national anthem, yep. having a great time. Yep. You know, you know, pointing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and they and they love the point. So, uh, I think you know one of the last things we like to ask is um, if there was anything before you sent that videotape in, before you got encouraged by that friend, or uh, mm-hmm. uh, was there anything holding you back from just recording that tape and sending it in? Because that was the start to all of this. Well, uh, I mean, everybody has a fear of rejection. And I think that's, that's what most people, especially performers. Um, well, I talked to a guy yesterday who had fear of rejection. He was wondering if he should ask his girl out. And I'm like, we weren't going to talk it. about but, that, Doug. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's the fear of rejection as a performer. You know, what if they don't like what I did? Well, if they don't like it, then you move on. And... But, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Wayne Gretzky, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit nothing. Sure. You know? Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, you take, you take the time and you put some effort into it and you, and you give your best shot. And I guess that's, that's another life lesson is do your best. Do your very best. And then you've got nothing to be ashamed of. You know, if you if you kind of do something half-heartedly and just well, we'll we'll see what they think. Why would you think that they're going to like it? But do your best because that's the kind of person you are. That's the kind of character that you have, and you know, I just be conscious of that. And so, you know, we always (laughs) we always ask too. You know, if there's a a no turning back point, and usually these interviews are about the successes. But I think a lot of what you just mentioned. Could be a no turning back point. Yeah, down at the wrong path. Right. Yeah. You will think because you've got fame or popularity or whatever that nothing's going to happen. 
they're not going to do anything to me. If I go out and drive fast and I can expect, I can hope that the police officer that pulls me over recognizes me and lets me go. No. If I go out and drive fast, I expect to get a ticket. Just like everybody just else. Just like everybody else. Right. You know, just because you have your success, this is probably one of the first times we've heard this too, Bill, is, you know, just because you have some success doesn't mean that there are no more no turning back points. Number one, you can keep chasing that dream. Yep. Yeah. Number two, if you kind of head down the wrong path, yeah. beware because yeah. it, it may you may find yourself in a place they never expected. You can always change your goals too. It's a, you know, Doug had a goal. He wanted to sing for the Sabres. He did it. Now he's been singing it for 20 years. He's told us a, a couple other goals of his now. You can always add to it. Just because you get somewhere doesn't mean that you have to be done and you have to settle. Oh no. You can you can adapt and you can you can push yourself and you can go for more. Right. But don't forget what it took to get to where you are. Right. That's important. No, so, it yeah. is. Yeah. This is cool. This is, no, yeah. it, it is cool. You know, I think it's okay to take a dream, achieve a goal, and it's okay if you kind of, you know, not a dream deferred where you put it aside, but almost like a, a dream accomplished. And you can also, at some point in your life, kind of set it aside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Doug, this has been amazing. Um, we always like to kind of wrap it up by turning it over to you. Is there anything that maybe came to mind you came prepared to say that we... I didn't get a chance to talk about. Well, a couple of the questions that I get asked most of the time. Absolutely. We've we've covered that. Um, How how did I get started doing the anthem? Um, It's probably probably the number one question that I get. The number two question is, where did the point come from? Yeah. And we talked about that a little bit. But uh, the point at the end of the song came out of my searching for how to express what the song was saying you know and I've done done the research on the song and I've you know studied the battle of Fort McHenry and all of that stuff but just looking at the text and the lyrics of the song the last line of the song says oh say does that star spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave and it's a question that's being asked it was a question that was asked of Francis Scott Key, you know, at the time of the battle. He was he being asked if the flag was still up because that was that meant that we were still fighting. Um, but for us today, as we sing this song and as we listen to this song, it's a question for us that's asked: Do we still? Does the flag still have meaning to us? Are we still patriotic? Do we love our country? Do we? Does this flag wave in our hearts? You know for our country and the point was then I'm pointing at you because you need to answer that question do you still feel patriotic about this country do you still love your country um, and so that's where the the point that you know, that's where it sort of kind of came from was that idea that I was trying to emphasize that I wanted people to think about that last phrase and I even when I sing it I sing it phrased a little differently because I want to emphasize, oh say, does that Star Spangled Banner still wave? And oftentimes we just, we glide through it and we just don't really pay attention to what it's actually saying. And so my point is, answer the question every time you sing the song and, you know, be patriotic and love your country. Wow, that's, wow. that's, that's awesome. What a great message, yeah. It's a call to action and you don't have to answer it in front of everybody. Yeah. But how about you answer it? You can answer it in your heart. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been another fantastic episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. Doug, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks hey, so much. This thanks for asking me. This has been fun. Well, we'll do no. it again next week. There you go. <laughs> By the piano. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>